Welcome to Patriot Sports Radio. Patriot Sports Radio. A sports podcast by regular dudes for regular dudes. We'll give you a break from all the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media. From high school to the pros, we're talking about it. Red-blooded American. Loud. loud, Real and raw. raw. Patriot Sports Radio with your hosts, Eric, John, Chris, and the coach. Welcome back, my friends. If you're new, then welcome in. It's Patriot Sports Radio. My name is Eric. I am your host. We've uh, we've got a full house tonight. We're missing the coach. We've got John out in Denver. We've got producer Chris over here, keeping the wheels turning, putting the coal in the furnace. And special guest tonight, Coach Chris Smith. He's head basketball coach at the Hartford Union High School. Go Orioles. This is uh, season one, correct? Yes, yeah, season one. And how are you this evening, Coach? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Welcome in. So uh, how'd the season go? What are we proud of? What do we think we can improve on next year? Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at our overall record. You know, we did we finished eight and sixteen in the regular season, so obviously it's not gonna stand out like crazy and people are gonna look at it like, wow, you know, you, you didn't have a very good season. But you know, like I said, year one and we we brought a lot of youth to our varsity team this year and we actually only had we only graduated two seniors um so we bring 13 guys back we were led by two sophomores for the most part as far as you know the major statistical categories go and it's amazing how we how we finished the season compared to how we started you know we started out the season 0 and 9 <laughs> and uh, things were not going very well but uh, the new year was very good to us so we finished the regular season 8 and 7 we were rolling a little bit playing some teams really well and we beat some teams in our in our league the second time around that uh, kind of handled us the first time around. So I mean, to me, that's uh, breeds success for the future into the summer here and and moving forward to next year. What you described to me just now sounds like a young team that's starting to gel towards the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. I mean we we started we started one senior only, and we had you know we had two sophomores in the starting lineup and running a brand new system offensively and defensively that the kids weren't used to. And then um, throwing in, you know, brand new guys, 13 new guys, pretty much uh, 11 new guys to the varsity level. And that's a, that's a lot to have to go through as a, as a teenage kid. And, you know, once it started clicking for them a little bit, uh, midway through the season, we started to play some really good basketball. Yeah. Especially playing, you know, these kids performing against upperclassmen, that's got to build the confidence and, you know, once they run off a few wins, they, they really believe in themselves. You feel like, uh, you feel like you've changed the culture there then? I think we got I think we have a great start. You know, the, the recent history in Hartford, uh, has not been very great. Um, being a local guy myself, uh, you know, I'm originally from about a half an hour away from Hartford and the last five years I was, I was, uh, coaching in another close by city about another half an hour away. We played in the same league as Hartford as well when I was a player in high school all the way, you know, when I started coaching and stuff too. And Hartford was never a team that you were afraid of, just wasn't great. And even when I got there then in, you know, this, this last, uh, last May, people, people asked me, why would you take that job? I I was going to ask you that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, for me, it was an opportunity uh, to finally take over my, my own program and uh, see what I could do. I've been I've been a varsity assistant for for a lot of years now, and I, I was ready to take that next step. And I live in the I live in the area. I live about seven minutes away from the from the high school, and um, my kids are hopefully going to be going there someday. And it, it it just felt like the right decision to make. And what better of a an opportunity or a story to make uh, than bringing a program that hasn't had much of a history at all to all of a sudden being something that is to be reckoned with? You know, absolutely, it's going to mean a lot more. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes a front runner. You come in here and you you turn this program around. People are going to remember that. And that's, you know, sounds like the hot new coordinator needed to go spread his wings. And now he is. How would you describe this culture you've got going on now? Well, I think from the beginning of the season till till the end here, you know, it, things changed drastically. I think in the beginning of the year, the kids were really looking at myself and my assistants and being like, okay, what do we do type thing? And, you know, where do we go from here and everything? And um, toward the end of the season, we were we were very much so player led and you know it, it sounds cliche a little bit here and there but 
in reality, you know, the best teams are the player led teams. Um, and the kid, the kids that really take that, that kind of ownership over the program. Um, and the younger guys at the, at the, the JV levels and everything, they see that and they want to be a part of that. And, um, even when, we're watching, they're watching our varsity games, you know, behind our bench, whether it's at home or away. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the latter part of the season, I mean, they are really getting into it and they're locked in and they're, they're cheering like crazy for our guys. And you could really see us start to come together as a community and as a family. And that's something that I've been preaching since I got there is that this needs to be a family. This, this, the environment here needs to be an environment where you can feel at home. And I think that we're starting to get there towards the end of the season. And I hope it continues. I love it. I love that you use the word family there. I think that's, that's what these kids, these kids need structure. They need leadership. And that's all the, that's all the components of a family. So you're yeah. filling the gym up now towards the end of the season. Huh? Did attendance change a little bit from the beginning? Yeah. To the end? Yeah. It was a, it was nice. You know, that to some of the kids started, some of the, the, the students in the high school, I mean, we started getting more kids coming in and it, it was, it was nice that way. And we started getting more community members and all of a sudden towards the, the mid, mid part of the season through, we started to get a little bit more media coverage too, which was nice. I mean, and just hearing some things from people, you know, on the outside of the program that, that have been fans of the program, you know, for some time. And they just said it was really nice to see a competitive product on the floor again. And I, I'm really proud about that, uh, proud of that. And I'm super excited to see what we can do in the future with so many guys coming back and a really solid, you know, younger, younger uh, group of kids too coming up. Yeah. Crowd plays a part in that. I think basketball is a sport of runs and momentum. And if you get, if you get the stands full of people yelling and screaming, that translates on the floor. Do your guys play multiple sports and what's your take on multi-sports for specialization? I'm trying to think for the most part, all of my guys, except for, I believe as far as the varsity goes, uh, all of but two or maybe three um, play at least two sports. We have a lot of baseball guys on my on my team, which is crazy. I think like 80 percent of my guys are baseball guys, which uh, which is good. And they're so they're they're pretty they're pretty good friends already just because of that um, um, aspect as well. You know, they, they see each other for, you know, for long periods of time, especially because of how summer baseball is, too. The one thing I will say is that there's not, I don't have a lot of kids in my program alone that do, um, that do anything in the fall, which is odd to me, you know, and football is a huge deal in Hartford. You know, they went to the state, state semifinal game this year. Um, so it's a, it's a big deal. You, you ask about, uh, benefits of multiple sports. I think it's great. I mean, I push for that. I'm trying to get a bunch of my guys that don't do anything in the fall right now to go out for volleyball because I think it's only going to benefit us in the basketball program as far as athleticism goes. and. It's just, it, you learn how to, you learn how to compete in a multiple different ways. It's only going to help you, you know, through, throughout your whole athletic career that way. And you have different roles on different teams and different sports. And those are, those are so important to understand because, you know, you might be the stud on, you know, one team and then you go into your other sport and you're just a role player. Understanding every single role on a team is super important, especially because you have those accountability pieces and you want to understand too, like where that guy is coming from, because you're not in the same position as, as he is. But when you have those different spots on teams and different sports, I think it really helps. And it also takes away the, um, the whole burnout factor. And that's been a really big thing with burnout yeah. and, and injuries with overuse of your bodies, doing the same thing over and over again. And I'm not a fan of, you know, kids just saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop playing these other sports and focus in on this one because I need to get better. Well, I, I just don't find that to be a really good reason. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just be throwing curveballs over and over again on your 15 <laughs> year old arm. Do you feel like athletics have a positive impact on GPA? Cause I wanted to sound smart today when I talked to you. So I was <laughs> reading a couple articles and studies. Well, I, let's be honest, skimmed, but I was trying to find a link between high school sports involvement and higher GPAs. And I found a couple that said it could impact it up to 0. 0.7, 0. 0.9 points. Others said <clears throat> not at all. I have a hard time believing that. Um, mm -hmm. I think teamwork, communication, just the community of playing sports has to propel you to a better work ethic and therefore be a little better at, at your studies. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the high school. I haven't been in X amount of years. We won't get into how many, but you're there now. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I think it plays a huge factor. I really do. I mean, being a, being a part of athletics, that not only helps you understand accountability and responsibility, 
in order to, I mean, let's just talk about like the, the things that are plain and simple to see, right? And like in order to play high school athletics, you have to be, you have to perform in the classroom. And one of the things that we reiterate all the time as a coaching staff is that, you know, you're, you're called a student athlete and the student comes first for a reason. Every, every program I've been a part of, we've always strived to be an academic all state team. And um, this year we did qualify for that. We had just under a 3.4 GPA as a team, which is pretty solid. Um, it wasn't good enough to become, you know, academic all state worthy, but you know, it's a good start. I just really think it, it athletics does so much for you outside of those sports. Like it, it prepares you for the world really. I mean, because think about all the different jobs that, you know, that people have throughout your life and how you have to work with different people and you have to, you have to work on different teams and small groups and all those types of things. And there's going to be people you don't like either, but you still got to deal with them and you got to learn how to deal with them. And I, I really do think that athletics can really play a big role in the classroom. And on the flip side of things too, I mean, teachers, teachers hold athletes to a higher standard simply because, you know, they're in the spotlight. And sometimes you might not always, as an athlete, they might not always get the type of treatment that someone who's a non-athlete gets, you know, it's a, a catch 22 there on, on both sides, just that it's it's really because some you know some teachers are pro athletics and some aren't and some think that oh well he's an athlete well I'm going to bust his chops a little bit more because you know he get he he gets all this attention for this stuff when I think you know academics is more important so I that's a whole thing I don't have the numbers and I don't care to know them I just like to have my opinion and roll with it and I think being a student um, and a good student really translate to translates to the competitive side of things in athletics, you're going to find that a lot of the really good teams have really good team GPAs. Yeah. There's a lot to learn there. There's the politics of, you know, there might be a teacher who's trying to put his thumb on the scale to even, even it out in his mind, or, you know, there's going to be people you don't like that you have to coexist with and sometimes even cooperate with towards a common goal. Life is also going to teach you that if you don't put the work in, you're not going to get the results most of the time. Yep. Yeah, I have a 12-year-old daughter, so I'm thinking about athletics. You know, she plays a little volleyball. She's not sure exactly. That's that's another reason I was looking into the grades and how they relate to sports. Is there such thing as too much? Is there like a Goldilocks zone of extracurriculars? Because I see I kids think, overloading themselves sometimes as well. Yeah, I think it really does. Uh, I think that's really unique to each person. If, to be honest with you, I mean, and we have a kid, we had a kid on our basketball team this year that was a starter for us. And, you know, he was a sophomore and he was a really good player for us. And he, you know, is, was fully invested for the basketball team and the program. But when he wasn't doing basketball, he had, he had baseball stuff to go to because he's a, he's a high end prospect with baseball. And so he would go like, I specifically, We'd have Saturday morning workouts and stuff or things that we needed to go through on Saturday. And as soon as he was done there, he drove an hour and a half to his baseball workout and um, went and did all that stuff. And I don't I don't think I've ever heard that kid complain because he loves it, you know, and the kids that are dedicated to to their craft. Eh, I think that they can handle so much more, you know, and um, I think we do got to give kids a little bit more credit too than what uh, we give them sometimes because they they're capable of a lot. You just have to challenge them and get them to understand that they can do those things. Absolutely. Spoken like a true teacher. You're a teacher <laughs> as well, correct? What what subjects do you teach? I teach uh, physical education and health. Nice. Well, I'm about out of uh, high school related questions. <laughs> if you want to stick around and talk other sports with us, we can do that. Unless, John, do you have anything for him? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, all right. No, I, I, Let him have it. Hey, hey, Coach Chris, I'm John. Hey, John. So I... Uh, I went to a smaller high school in Illinois in Peoria, and I've been out for about 15 years now. Um, Similarly, we had a basketball coach in the last couple of years come in and and change the culture around. So that story kind of sticks with me because it's primarily a football school, and now it's kind of switched over to being a basketball school, and we actually just lost our state championship. One question I had uh, in the working world or wherever, you, you're always going to encounter trying to change a culture, and it feels like you're probably swimming upstream a lot. So what are some of the things you did to actually really impart that the culture was important, and what are some of the things you did? You mentioned family and team building and things like that. What are some of the things you did that maybe like another coach, somebody else might want to hear? to help really kind of change the tide there. 
Well, I think, uh, I mean, it starts, to be honest with you, it starts with, uh, with relationship building. If the kids understand that as a coach, you have their best interests at hand and that you truly do care about them, it goes a long way with teenagers, right? And, you know, I think that once you build that foundation, okay, of trust within a relationship, there, people are willing to do so much more for you. All of a sudden, they love being around the group of people, you know, that a heck of a lot more than, you know, if they barely know them, right? So we, we spent a lot of time just getting to know each other, whether it be from coaching staff to players and, you know, players to players and stuff. And we talked about, you know, how, how we act as how we act as members of the Hartford basketball program and understanding that we're going to be wearing, you know, the Oriole on our chest all the time. And, you know, it's going to say basketball on there. And so they know where we're coming from. It's like, how do we be, want to be portrayed? How do you want to be looked at? And I asked them those questions in the beginning of the year. And they said, well, I think right now, I think Hartford basketball is looked at as a joke and that we're going to get beat every single time we go out on the floor. And, and I was like, well, is that what you guys think? And a lot of the answers were, I wasn't really, I was never really asked what I think. It's like, well, you know, you, you guys are the ones going out and putting in all the work and doing everything. You know, you have to be the ones who are going to be portraying what we look like as a, as a team, not letting, letting the outsiders give the perspective there. And we talk a lot about, on top of that, then we talked a lot about body language. Just, uh, so one thing that I like to do is after a game is obviously I watched, I watched the film again to see, you know, how things went in certain situations and kind of check things out X and O's wise. Um, but another thing is then I go back, I'll watch it again and I'll just focus on, I'll focus on our bench and how they're, how they're doing and what, how engaged they are with their, um, you know, the kids that don't play a whole lot, like how engaged are they with their teammates and what are they doing to help out from the sidelines. I'll look at, I'll look at after, uh, plays after the whistle blows to see how we react to things. If there's an adverse moment in a game, how do, how do, how do the next 30 to 45 seconds to a minute go? You know, what does that look like for us? And we break all that down and we'll, we sit and watch some film sometimes and just to show kids like, you know, is this the way we need to act? Is this the way that you should be acting as a person? You know, those types of things. And um, just really getting to the human side of things, I think, is really important for building a culture and having a foundation of this is how we want to act. This is how we need to portray ourselves. And that kind of just brings them together even more and bring, brings them even more tight knit. Um, it's just things that, you know, we've that that I we've kind of come together as a coaching staff and kind of figured out that, you know, was important for us. And I know like Gino Ariema talks all the time about body language and how that makes yeah. up who they are as a program because this is how we're going to display us playing basketball. You said something and I bet, you know, I'm going to make an assumption here and you talk about ownership. Do you think the ownership really came from you actually asking them what they want and kind of putting the onus on them? Yeah, I really do think so. I mean, I, like I said, I don't think they, they said some of the guys that said that I, we've never been asked what we want before. It's always the coach telling us what they want. You know, it's kind of their baby. It's their it's their deal. You know, I mean, they're the ones that are that are do, putting in all of the physical work and you know having all the mental hardships and the emotions going up and down throughout a game and even you know and through practices and stuff and having coaches harp on them and everything. And so it's like, what do you want to see? You know, what do you want out of this experience? And how can I, as as your coach, implement those things? So how did you get that influence to to ask that question? Because I've never I played three sports for four years and I never I never got asked that question. You just usually had to fall in line. So <laughs> I'm curious kind of about, you know, who are your influences in coaching and, and while we may not know the names, what what really is at the root of of you asking kind of a pretty interesting question there? I I've had I've had the privilege of coaching with a lot of really great coaches in, in my sixteen years of coaching high school basketball. I started coaching high school basketball when I was 19. It's uh it, it's been a blessing like I you know if you count everything I guess super successful guys I mean I've had this would, this would only be I think my second losing season as a as a coach I was part of a program so I mean uh, some guys that just really know what they're doing and they care about the kids and they always made it about the kids first and relationships and how can you build those relationships and what better to build those relationships than making sure the kids trust you and coming across like coaching in two different states too it, it you see you know and, and having success it's all the, it's all the same no matter where you are it's just getting a good group of kids that are willing to buy into something too it, it it goes a long way and to be honest it was a little bit easier this year just because they're they're sick of losing they want they want to change things around and we're starting to and i hope that it continues obviously 
you know, I've got another question and because from my perspective, picture, you know, somebody like me who's in his thirties and doesn't have kids and we look at society and how society treats kids and you kind of touched on it a little bit. And from my perspective, it seems like we treat these kids like they're, we just put bubble wrap around them and we try to make them as safe as possible. And you hear all the rhetoric from your perspective, somebody who's kind of seen the evolution because uh, it seems like you've kind of been coaching about as long as I've been out of high school. What do you think that evolution has been like? And where do you think, so what do you think people need to hear about high school kids these days that maybe get skewed in what you would hear in media? High school kids are a lot tougher than you think. Let's face it. I mean, they go through, they go through a lot more things than we had to with social media being at its all time high right now. And you know, the, all the adversity and the things that are going on in our world right now. And these kids have to go through a lot of things every single day and they see it, you know, all they have to do is pick up their cell phone and be like, here it is. Right. It's where I graduated high school in 2004 and you didn't have that. Right. Like you didn't just have the world right at your fingertips at all times. Um, and it was, it was nice to be, I think looking back on it, it was really, it was really nice to not know about some things. Um, so I, I just, I think that these, these kids are, are misinterpreted sometimes, you know, because, uh, about being soft or anything like that. Like, I mean, I, I think, I think high school kids, especially cause that's who I, I work with. I mean, they're a lot tougher than you think, and they deserve a lot more credit. I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm not always an easy person to have to deal with in a practice setting, you know, because I'm going to push them to their limits and I'm going to push their buttons sometimes. Cause I want to see how they're going to react in certain, certain situations. And, Sometimes they don't like it and sometimes they go and complain to their teammates about it too. And, and you know, and that's, that's okay. You know, they need to be able to do that. Right. You know, and um, sometimes they go and complain to my assistants about, Oh, well, coach is being too hard on us, you know, or doing this. Why would he, why would he call me out for this? And you know, if they, they start to understand, then I always tell my guys is uh, if I'm, if I'm on you 24 seven about things and I'm pushing you and I'm correcting you about things, that's a good thing. That means I see a lot more potential in you. It's when I stop mm-hmm. talking to you. It's when I stop correcting you, stop trying to make you better. That's when you should probably be worried because I've given up on you at that point. You know, um, yeah. I think that that was a message to our guys early on. I think that they really started to understand that as, as time went on. Do you find that you've you can't be quite as hard. I put that in quotes, quite as hard on a kid in 2022 than you were in, in 2011, 2012, or do you think that's kind of blown out of proportion? I think do you that, get a lot more parent calls now. <laughs> uh, no comment. Yeah. No. <laughs> I wasn't expecting an answer, but I, I am kind of curious about, because I've got friends who are coaches and it's, it, they say it's not as, as bad as you would think, but there are, yeah. it's outside of sports where you see that more than anything. Yeah. I, I, I just think that, uh, I think nowadays uh, you have to be more creative and you have to really, it comes back to, you have to really know and understand your kids and where they're coming from and what their backgrounds are, because it's so crazy now, you know, normally 10, 15 years ago, you would, you, you coach in a community or you teach in a community and most of the kids are, their backgrounds are all the same. Now, no matter where you are, everything is so adverse. And so there's literally groups and cliques and, you know, activities and everything for every person and every interest you could possibly think of. And so you just really got to get to know your kids and understand them because then you can know how you can push their buttons. You, you know when you can challenge them to certain things and knowing who they are in and out the best that you can is super important because you don't know who they are. I mean, how do you know how to get, get the most out of them? Yeah. It sounds really, really silly that I keep bringing up the relationship thing, but I, I, that's a, that's a been a backbone of who I've been as a coach for my entire career. So that's good stuff. That pretty much wraps up what, what I had questions about. That's really cool. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Well, while, while you guys were talking, I came up with another one. You were talking about parents briefly. Um, <clears throat> I understand it's hard to find officials these days. People just don't want to do the job. And a lot of it has to do with the parents um, screaming because, you know, Jimmy got his third foul in the second quarter. Do you see a lot of that? Or going back to John's angle, is that something that's also blown out of proportion? No, I, unfortunately, I wish I could say it was blown out of proportion. Um, it's, whew, I mean, that's a real thing, man. 
Um, what do you I have think a lot the of solution to that is? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wish I had an answer for that. I really do. I, I think the problem uh, is these people are grown. They are <laughs> who they are going to be. They're not, you know, a 40 year old isn't, is no longer moldable. You know, if that guy's, <laughs> that guy's an asshole, he's just an asshole. That's, so, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I, I imagine the kids are embarrassed when they look up in the, in the stands and see, you know, mom losing her mind. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I think that's really, really a big truth. I think, I think some of it, you know, unfortunately, I think it needs to be where from the kids a little bit more is like telling their parents, Hey, I need you to stop with that stuff because I, it is embarrassing. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where you see that, where, you know, you'll get the kids that, that are looking to the stands after a play where they maybe didn't do something so well. And you'll hear parents screaming at their kid and, you know, you, you hate to hear that stuff. And cause you feel for the kid right away. And, but then, you know, the example that it's setting for the kid too, is that, Hey, that's this type of behavior is okay. And you see that a lot, a lot more now in high school athletics where, you know, kids are getting teched for being reactionary after a call. And it, it happens a lot more. We had a situation that happened this year with that. So you know, I'm not going to get into it, you know, but I mean, those types of things are, are much more prevalent in today's game. And I think that the club and AU stuff uh, plays a big factor in that because all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, like I play pat me on the back because I play AAU and I'm really good now and everybody should know about it. There are some really prestigious uh, AAU programs out, out there, don't get me wrong, but nowadays you could walk down the street and find three three AAU or club teams and be like, oh yeah, it's only a, it's only $2,000 to join? Sure, sign me up. Yeah, my, my understanding of AAU, again, it was a different part of the country, but it seems like it's mostly a business run by adults. So What's kind of your perception of AAU, uh, just both with the wear and tear it can put on players' bodies, and also the investment from your perspective as a high school coach? How would you how would you describe AAU, and would you recommend that? Unfortunately, I think if you're a kid that plays at a high level and you want to play at the next level, I mean, it's a necessary evil. It really is. Yeah. You have to do things to get your name out there. You have to expose yourself to as many college coaches as you can, and that's a lot of times that's where college coaches go because there are more kids of that caliber in the gym, you know, at that point, you know, they can go somewhere where there's going to be 30 teams playing for a weekend compared to, do I got to, I got to go travel to this one high school game to watch two, like two players play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think there's some really, I think there are some really good um, AAU programs out there. I think that there are, there are programs that do have the kids interests at heart and uh, you actually have to make the team. You don't just get, Oh yeah, well we have 33 kids that tried out this year. We're going to keep them all and we're going to just have an ABC ABC team. Um cuz that's mm -hmm. what it's becoming. Like you said, the business entity side to it, right? Is, well, look at all this money that I can make and I understand that mm -hmm. there are, there's money to be made and there's money that needs to be made too, obviously, but it just I'm so I'm so mixed on it because we we have we have some kids that play AAU and we have some kids that don't. A couple of my a couple of my better players play play AAU and a couple of my better players don't. So it's just, I think yeah. it's, I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that. It's a really tough situation because like I said, it is a necessary evil if you want to play at the next level. Do you think being pretty active on social media, having a YouTube page, doing the, the modern things can get you the same level of exposure as an AAU team without spending $5,000? It helps. But ultimately, ultimately coaches want to see you play in person. Right. Just being a coach myself, I mean, watching a team, watching a team or some players on film and then seeing them in person this is a different animal. You know, mm. there's things that there's things that you miss on film that you can only get when you watch them in person. So I think that you definitely need to have both. But I, I mean, having your highlight, have, having your highlight films and those kinds of things, those are important, too. And those are things that, you know, I've talked to some of our guys about is like, hey, you I've, you haven't done that yet. You should probably get that going. Kind of along those lines, what kind of relationship do you have with with colleges? Do you try to bridge that gap for the player to the college? Do you try to keep kind of mind your own garden kind of mindset with that. I've seen it kind of go both ways. Uh, but again, it's been years since I've been high school. I've been in high school. But so as your role as a head basketball coach, do you try to have those relationships with colleges? A lot of or times. You, I mean, I, I don't want to put too much pressure. On no, yeah. Like a lot of times, a lot of times it's more if a college, if a, if a coach from a, from a school is coming to see our game, like they'll usually you know, let me know beforehand and be like, Hey, I'm coming to see so-and-so tonight. Um, or even if they show up and they, after the game, they'll come, they'll want to come and have a conversation. You know, if they're really interested, they want to get to know, 
a little bit more about the player. And it's yeah. nice to hear, you know, from, you know, secondhand from somebody rather than just hearing it from the player. Cause obviously the player is going to like a lot of what they, they do, you know? So I don't necessarily think like seeking, there'll be seeking coaches out is like what I would do. I, a lot of times they come to you and they want to talk to you. Um, if there's a kid that isn't getting an exposure that I think deserves it, then I might start reaching out to a couple people and a couple, you know, different uh, networks and connections and be like, Hey, got this kid. What do you think? And where do you think he would fit type thing? And, you know, can you help me out a little bit there? So a little bit of both, I would say. Well, while Chris is uh, dealing with wires, I can ask you about these reactionary techs. I see it in NCAA. I see it in the NBA. I see it in the NFL. I think they're trying to officiate emotion out of the game. And that's not only impossible, but I think it's detrimental. Do you think they're they're doing this at the high school level too, trying to like, you know, you get a nonsense call and you throw your arms up in a, in a way it's justified. That's that's not a technical. That wasn't a technical five years ago. Yeah, I I just think that there's so there's so many issues now, verbal and nonverbal, that I think officials have just had enough of it and they're they're sick of it. I mean, you even see that some of that at the pro level, the guys who are the habitual like offenders, right? Like they don't put up with it anymore and they just, they'll just tech you. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm an angel on the sidelines by any means. <laughs> um, have, but, have you gotten one? Have you gotten teed up a few times coach? Hey, I only, I went, I almost went the entire season without getting one. I did get one in our last game this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, I felt like I didn't even get to earn that one, unfortunately, but it's a, you know, it is what it is at that point. Um, but yeah, it's for me. I mean, what I'll say is, I care, I care a lot and I put a lot of work into what I'm trying to put out onto the basketball floor. And, you know, that competitive side of you gets to you sometime. And like, if you, there's a call that you disagree with, you know, obviously you want to voice it, but I think being a young coach, I need to get better. I need to get a lot better at that too, is like how to, how to, uh, you know, confront officials. And sometimes, sometimes officials are really, really great. And they'll straight up tell you, yeah, I, I missed that one. Like I screwed that up. I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. And other times officials are on the, on the verge of like, I'm always right. So you can't argue with me. Yeah. I think it's like a baseball manager. You know, you got to get tossed once in a while. Just let the boys know that you're in there with them. You're in the fight. You know, I hear, I yeah. hear a lot of passion out of you. I hear a lot of talk of family coming together, et cetera. When did you know you wanted to coach basketball? Cause it sounds like this called to you. As soon as I knew that my playing career was over, um, which was, high school, I, I, uh, there was that, you know, that, that just that competitive fire and the love for the game of basketball was still there. And I'm like, how do I still have that in my life? How do I still get in my life? And, you know, my, my high school basketball coach, um, who's, who's passed on, I talked to him a lot and everything. And he actually got me really involved in, in it and got me really hooked on it because he would call me in, I would be in college and I went to UW Whitewater and I would drive home, you know, 45 minutes sometimes just to sit down in his, in his classroom and, and break down film. Uh, you know, for that, for the following season, who some of the guys were, you know, my teammates the year before and everything. And it's just, a, it's just something that I got addicted That's to love and, of the game. Yeah. I got addicted to it and wanting to continue to get more and more and more. And I was able to sneak in then uh, as an assistant, my first, my first coaching job was a, a JV assistant when I was 19. And then I still did a lot of things behind the scene with the varsity team, as far as, uh, um, you know, cutting film. And back then it was DVDs, man. And that was my job as a, as a JV assistant was to dub all these DVDs. So every coach on staff had a DVD of every film and, oh my gosh, that was, <laughs> tedious. that was a, that was a full-time job in itself, man. But uh, you sure have, sure have. But uh, yeah, I just, I had, a, I have such a love for the game and a passion for the game and that's kind of how I got into it. And I just worked my way up and, then I became a, then I became a freshman coach and then I became a JV coach and then got into, got into the, the varsity assistant ranks at, at a few different schools. And, you know, and here I am now. You've paid every due there is to pay, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. I get, I guess I have, you know, and um, not, I'll tell you too, it was tough because there's been other jobs, obviously head jobs that I've applied for and not, not playing at the collegiate level is a tough one to sell on people. Like you're, you think you can run your own program. You haven't played at a high level, you know? And unfortunately that's a lot of, a lot of people think that it's like, well, if you didn't play in college or at least how can you be a good coach? And 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I very much so disagree with that. But Absolutely. I think you come in, you take 0-9, and you flip that around, and you put together a few more solid years. It's undeniable that this guy can draw up a play or two. I don't think it matters if you played at St. Bonaventure or not in 1997 it's always St. Bonaventure when you mention a college <laughs> that's his that's no, his no, no. I went on a whole Richmond Spiders thing last time that's right that's right nice. you got any uh favorites in the tournament well I mean I, I'm a big Alabama fan um simply because uh you know Nate Oates their head coach he's uh he's a he's a Watertown Wisconsin guy which is my hometown what? as well so yeah he uh he went to he went to very he went to a very small school for high school and for for college at Maranatha Baptist in Watertown. He was actually he was actually my my sophomore year geometry teacher, believe it or not. It was crazy. <laughs> I got to I got to experience March Madness with him personally um in his classroom. He would we had you know the you know the old like TVs that you get to part in from yep. the from the, the from the, the squeaky wheel in the TVs. Yeah. So, so I would shut like, down the printers. Yeah, so I would I would be like during during geometry, I'd be like, Hey Oates, during my study hall today, like, do you mind if I bring in a TV and you know, we, we turn some games on? He's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. He's like, I'll I'll check one out right now, type thing. So yeah, he he's a great guy. And the guy that I coached with um at Beaver Dam prior to here, you know, grew up with Nate. They were they were pretty good friends growing up. They lived on the same street. So yeah, it's small world. But uh yeah, I'm I love watching Alabama play. I mean, they run that dribble drive and they're super, super aggressive in it. And, you know, no secret, right? Like, uh, you know, we run the dribble drive at Hartford um, and we're exclusive with that. So it's, it's a lot of stuff that uh, I've taken from him and I, I love his stuff and he does a great job and he gets those kids playing really hard. Oh man. When they're on, they're on, they can't miss. Yeah, They're tough. They, Even his they teams when good. he was at Buffalo, man, there was a, whew, those guys, those guys came in, you know, yeah, open he, some eyes. He does put together a high energy squad now that I think about it. Yeah. Do you find your guys going streaky like that a little bit like Alabama sometimes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when, I mean, when you, when you rely on getting to the basket and then the three point shot, you're going to go, there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of ebb and flow and there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And uh, like, we don't, we don't shoot mid range shots. Uh, we I just don't it. shoot them. Uh, we're, we're get to the basket or we're shooting threes. I mean, we shot, um, <clears throat> try to think how many, what the number I, is. As a I heard team. you have a junior who's shooting almost 50% from behind the arc. Yeah. He, uh, finished the regular season at 48.1%. Wow. Um, he, he finished, uh, I can't tied do anything the 48% of the time. <laughs> Nick Weston. It is. is yes. It? Yeah. He is a stud. My, uh, my daughter is coach Smith's one of coach Smith's managers. And she managed yep. last year with yep. uh, Coach McKenna. And I went to every game last year, and it was much different with the COVID year. There was just a yep. few parents in there. What I did notice about last year's team is they were really talented. There, there was there's a lot of heart on that team. It's like nobody had taught them how to win. Yeah. They're in every game. Every game is a heartbreaker. Yep. And how do you lose them all? I'm like, yep. this is a culture deal. And so I was talking to Pina O'Reilly about that all summer and fall and she's like because she cheers for football mm-hmm. i want to i want to manage again i don't know how the new coach is going to be and i'm like go talk to him and obviously she managed so it was great and then i get the play-by-play every game every practice i i gotta say that the the turnaround just in the mentality i'm not saying you guys won a bunch of games right but there was an actual turnaround in that season around christmas yeah that I, yeah, I mean, you could tell you're starting to get through to them, and this is how you win. This is how you finish. Yeah, we talk like we. What I what I have made sure that was relayed to our guys is that winning is a skill. Yeah, like you have to learn how to win. Yeah, and, and we we didn't know how to win early in the year because there were games that we were in. Man, we took. <laughs> I mean, we took Waukesha South in the beginning of the year. We took them to the. To the brink, man, and they were a sectional final. I thought they were going to go to a sectional final team. They, uh, I thought they were going to go to state, you know, and uh, you know they got bumped by Racine Case, but they, Waukesha South, man, they got three scholarship players on their team, you know, and we t- we we were winning most of that game, and but just some plays down the stretch that, you know, can't happen if you want to win a close basketball game, and we learned from those from those bumps and bruises um, early in the year, and we took those to heart and we explained what needs to happen in those situations. If you want to get over the hump and we, when we started to get over the hump, man, we're, you know, we took, 
you know, fourth ranked in the state homestead. We took them to overtime and we had them, man. We had them just a couple little things. Once again, you know, that just winning and losing is so, so closely related, man. It's, it's, it's tough. Like one or two plays can really, and it's not at the end of the game necessarily either. You know, it's, it's at any point in the game that can really sway things. It's hard to lose like that over and over coach, because you know, you have the talent. You, yep. you see it. And then the last two minutes of the game, it, that what you said, they didn't know how to win. Yep. It turned around. So we were at the uh, banquet on Sunday guys. And uh, so I got to see how many juniors were coming back and it's, it's a basketball team coming back. Yep. I got excited because now we have a winning mentality, a winning coach and, and guys that have been in the system for at least a year. Yeah. And when these guys are facing adversity, you know, their mindset isn't going to be here. We go again. It's going to be not today. You know, it's going to be slap the floor, be a dog, get a stop. That's going to be the mindset now instead of, oh, I've been here before. This sucks. Yep. We were walking out of the uh, banquet, coach, and we got to the car and and Peanut looks at me and she goes, we got some dogs on defense for next year, dad. Like, we're going to make a run. This is my junior and senior year are going to be fabulous. She's so excited. You oh, got she, the town she, buzzing, coach. She's great. Riley's great, though. Your daughter, your daughter is awesome. She was great to have have um, you know, because she knew the kids obviously, and she had been a, been a manager already, and so it was really nice. Like she knew exactly what she needed to do right away. And I, I'm telling you, man, like when I talked about our managers at the banquet, like they are very important to me, very important, and they know that. I, I'm excited that I'm excited that she said that. You know, to hear other people talk about things that. I'm excited for personally, it, you know, just, it makes it, it makes it makes you as a, as a coach be even more confident and more excited to continue to work hard. And, you know, our guys are already asking what, what are we doing, what we're doing in the off season, what, what's going to go on this spring, what's going to go on this, this summer. And, you know, we gotta, I gotta, I told them you gotta be a little bit more patient. We got to figure out some schedules here and get that out to them. But uh, I'm glad that they're already thinking about that, which is, it's a good sign. Well, we're excited. Small town, Wisconsin basketball, and Hartford should be in it. I, now, I've only been going to games for two years because Peanut's only, I mean, she's a, she was a freshman, now she's a sophomore. But there's talent on that basketball court. And, but even more than talent, there's a lot of hustle and some heart. Yeah. That's exciting to watch. So, and, and yeah, another thing, we, we, we got to talk a little bit about the, uh, at the banquet. You, uh, you coached out in Colorado yeah. too as well, right? I did, yeah. I, I was out there for... I lived out there for three years, um, just under three years. Uh, whew, trying to even remember the, it was about, it's been about 10 years now that I've moved back, but uh, I actually coached for one year there. I coached a, a girls team um, in the inner city, which was um, in Denver, uh, Kip Collegiate Academy. Um, that was the, like their inaugural year. We, it was rough. It was very rough. And then, uh, and then I got, I kind of, fe- I kind of got something that just fell into my lap. My wife now, she was my girlfriend at the time we were out there. We moved out there together and she worked with someone who had a friend that coached at this supposed really good team. And, you know, sometimes you hear from other people, my wife's like, I don't know what to take, take of that or whatever, but here's a phone number. You're supposed to call this number. And I was like, okay. So I, so I called this phone number and it was, uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine now. It was uh, Troy Pockner who was the head coach at Devlin high school. I talked to him for a little while and everything. He said, you know, we were super successful. We've gone to the, you know, we've gone to the, the elite eight for the last three years. And we're trying to make, make that, you know, jump, get that jump over the hump and everything. And, you know, I looked him up after I got off the phone, I was like, geez, like, why do these guys want me to coach with them type thing? And, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I, we ended up meeting and we were, and we worked some things out and that was a phenomenal year. We went, uh, we went 19 and six and we won, we won the league, which is the, it was actually that we, we, uh, our rival was, uh, was Valor Christian, who, uh, at the time, yeah. um, Christian McCaffrey was on that team. He was a senior that you want to talk about a dog, man, that guy, <laughs> that guy was a dog. <laughs> he, he was, he, he was a very good basketball player too. I mean, that guy, but he was a, he was a bowling ball, man. He was their point guard and we split with him that year. And, uh, yeah, that was that was some really fun basketball to play play with, and you know we were ranked number one in the state for a lot of the year, and they were ranked number two in, in the state for a lot of the year, and you know we we switched back and forth a couple times, and so that was that was some good that was a really great year, and unfortunately it ended in the elite eight. We lost to um, Sand Creek out there, and uh, they had a kid that was going to Air Force the next year, and he just lit us up in the fourth quarter, and 
we, you know, that's things happen. Right. So, but that was, yeah, that was fun uh, being out there and getting to meet a really great coach from, um, you know, but uh, Troy Pockner and he ended up leaving when I left, he left and went and coached at Valor for a couple of years and actually won a state championship with Valor. So that's uh, wow. a pretty crazy situation that way. And then, yeah, that was yeah, fun. That's a crazy school. I, yeah. I went out there to catch a game this year just because it was like a college campus, man. The folklore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, that's a, that's a good program. Yeah, it really is. And there's, there's a lot of phenomenal athletes that go through there, man. Holy cow. I bet that helps you with buy-in from your players. Now they can look at you and say, Hey, this guy's been there. He's done that. He can take us to yeah, the I don't, proverbial promised land. I don't, I don't love to to talk to, like, I don't love talking about that kind of stuff. I guess you don't like throw your resume in their face. Yeah. I don't like to do that with the kids, you know I mean? But, but like you said, but like you said, they, they know, I mean, they, they can find things on the internet a heck of a lot better than all of us can yeah. combined. <laughs> so, Every kid's um, a PI. Yeah, for real. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's just so true. And so, I mean, so they know, and being, being that I've had a lot of success, you know, right down the road in Beaver Dam, um, the last five years with coach Ladrin there and geez, you know, it's no secret. We won, you know, we used to be in the same conference and, um, the Wisconsin little 10 conference broke up in, uh, the last year was, uh, was it 16, 17? Sorry. I was just looking at a poster I have on the board right over here behind me is, uh, we, we were without, we won the last conference title in the Wisconsin little 10 with when we played Hartford, you know, in the same league. And, um, so they, they, they're very much aware. Actually, my assistant now is I coached against him when he was a senior in high school. So it's, there's some really good jokes there about how we, you know, <laughs> smacked them pretty good a couple of times. <laughs> Back to the That's trainers. Awesome. My daughter's not a trainer. I don't know the first thing about it. Aside from taping up ankles, what what do you get out of these trainers? It sounds like they're a real asset to you. Managers slash train managers, not trainers. I, I don't think they're letting anybody just tape ankles these days. Uh, actually, though, um, you know, Chris's daughter, he she is actually able to do that. And she's done that. Oh, yeah. Times. She's she's part of I don't know what program we have at the high school, something with where she can work with. She works with our athletic trainer. And so she's been trained on how to do that so she actually has taped a couple ankles for us this year that's where i got trainer from because i i hang out with the overachievers so (laughs) yeah no i'm our managers you know i have i have i have one manager who his job is specifically during practice is to work the scoreboard he got really good at it too the thumb on the scale a little bit yeah goose the score a little bit (laughs) yeah he had to you know in practice he had to to know <laughs> he had to know you what, try what we were doing, man, and he had to know how we were scoring it. And um, my my assistant was uh, my assistant Josh Goodrow. He uh, he he's a big stickler on that stuff uh, and wanting to. And he he never like I didn't really care. It didn't bother me all that much, but it bothered him for whatever reason. He's like, never let this thing when we have a because we would time every drill. Like, all right, this drill is ten minutes today, and you know we try to stick to that the best we can. I'm really bad at sticking to things, so it's good. But he never let the, the the horn sound. Never let the horn sound. My man, you know that Sam, you know our manager. He he took a job that way, and he was good with it. And he would always prepare our iPads for stats uh, before the game, make sure rosters were right for our team and the other team. And our other two managers um, were in charge of just logistical stuff and making sure equipment um, was ready to go and making sure that. Uh, all the guys had all their stuff that they needed and making sure they would go on run errands for me. Cause I'm, I forget things all the time in my office and my office is quite a ways away from the gym. And they, they never ever complained about having to run to my office three, four times during a practice sometimes. So it, me not having to do some of those things and just focus on coaching basketball in those two hours. Cause it's super important because those two hours go by really fast. Absolutely. Speaking of, we've been at this for a full hour already. Yeah, I didn't realize we were on for that long either. Golly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're going to have to come back. We clearly have way more to get to. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like every kid you're coaching is bought in and none of them complain. They all have a solid work ethic. Like, you need to write a book or at least uh, tell me how you're doing this. I don't know. Because I got enough trouble getting one kid in line. Hey, I have, I mean, I have three myself, so it's, uh, and they're, they're young yet. So, I mean, I got, I got it easy so far, as far as the school thing and teaching them all that yet. So thank goodness for my wife. Let me tell you. <laughs> How old are the kids? <laughs> um, six, three, and almost two. Um, I guess six, almost four and almost two. 
Dang. Go girl, boy, girl. <laughs> All right. Yeah. My wife is a saint for letting me do what I do. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like every it. coach's but, wife. Yes, for real. <laughs> she knows you'll have them on a roster soon, and then uh, it'll be your turn. All right, Eric, anything else? I can tell you that uh, this new contract is $150 million guaranteed over the first three years. So I don't know how they're going uh, But to... if you recall, last week, he said that wasn't the case. Yeah, he yeah, said, oh, yeah, no. But it wasn't it, wasn't it first like four years, $200 million, and he said that wasn't the case? So obviously, we, we took $50 million in a year off there. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's actually six for 180 but I'm getting 150 no matter what. If he retires after two years, um, Ian Rappaport was saying the cap hit could be like 70 Wow. I mean, what are, what are we doing? We're digging a giant crater. You're banking, Go ahead. You're banking on that guy playing <laughs> at a high level for a little while yeah. yet. Yeah, John's a Bears yeah. fan, so he, he yeah, wants yeah. to see the keep going. burn. Well, keep going. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, the Bears they're still aren't going to be very good regardless. So no. Hey, in three years, <laughs> I'll be laughing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the 1980s are a long time ago. Gosh. Yep. Oh, my gosh. We yeah. still act like 85 was like two years ago. That's that's the biggest joke in, in college sports. How bad, how bad do you even Chicago. miss like Jay Cutler right now? I loved Jimmy oh, Butler. Gosh. I miss that, that was, guy. When they there's gave so him many that- stories of him out and about in Chicago. Like yeah, one yeah. time, uh, he was he was pissing at a urinal, and somebody was like, saw him, and was like, "Oh my gosh, you're Jay Cutler. Can I talk to you?" And didn't didn't answer, <laughs> and just like roll, he was drunk. He like rolled his head back and goes, "Dude, I don't care. Leave me alone. <laughs> I would take that. I would take that." He's he's a, like a reality TV guy now, isn't he? Well, yeah, he was married to Kristen Cavallari, then that blew up because yeah. I, I would imagine he was just really apathetic in the relationship. Yeah, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, you know, he, he goes on Waddle and Sylvie, which is ESPN Chicago, uh, about once a month whenever he gets bored. And he lives the weirdest life. But he hangs out with like country music stars down in Nashville. So it can't be all bad. Yeah. Yeah, I get a. I, I had one big topic I wanted to talk about. We we do not have nearly enough time, which is fine. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for another another day. He's not just drop dead gorgeous. He's also dark and mysterious. He's got a he's got a topic he wants to broach next time. <laughs> I, it's it's a tricky one to discuss. So I'll, I'll do it when we're not interviewing somebody. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's call it a night then, Coach. Thank you so much. We want to have you hey. back. We we want to have this uh this three point sniper maybe on the show. Figure out his <laughs> secrets. Chris, kick that outro music. You've been listening to Patriot Sports Radio. If you're sick of all the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media, like we are, this show is for you. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. For more content and merch, hit up www.patriotsportsnow.com. Find us on Twitter at Patriots Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at Patriots Sports Now, and on Getter, Rumble, and YouTube at Patriots Sports. Take care, and we'll see you next time.